I wanted to make sure that I point out that, um, I mean, even after 20 years, we still have jealousy blips. And I actually find it kind of disheartening when I look at Facebook groups and someone goes on there and says, oh my God, I'm feeling jealous. What do I do? And the response is, oh my God, if you feel jealous, you're not Polly. Get out of it. Welcome to Normalizing Non-Monogamy, the podcast where we interview incredible people from across the entire spectrum of non-monogamy to hear their fascinating stories. We strive to bring guests on the show who have a healthy approach to non-monogamy. However, it's important to remember that everyone does it a little bit differently, and the views and opinions expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect our own. Additionally, we produce this show for entertainment purposes only. Please be aware that we aren't doctors or therapists. Consult a medical professional for anything regarding your health that you might learn about on the show. Enjoy. Welcome to Ep- Monday. Wow, you interrupt me at the very beginning. That's when you do Monday. No. When when else would you do a Monday? Right after I said welcome to episode 96. Right. We're really close to 100, which is really exciting. We're so close. It's we're edging. <laughs> oh my god. And welcome, everyone, to Emma and Finn. Hope your kids aren't in the car. (laughs) It is, in fact, a Monday. We have a special episode today with Dan and Dawn. Recording live from a McDonald's parking lot right now. Yes, that's true. (laughs) The episode wasn't recorded there. No. Just the intro and the outro. Yes, that's true. Um, Dan and Dawn are awesome. They've been together for about 20 years, and they actually started... Uh, exploring non-monogamy and right, right out the gate yeah and then they started podcasting about it for the past 11 years or so yeah they have well over 500 episodes yeah it's very impressive hey we were on an episode of theirs that's true episode 501 you can find links to our episode their podcast and they also have a book called the polyamory toolkit everything will be in our show notes And when we say show notes, we just wanted to reiterate to people that, yeah, if you scroll down in your podcast player, that there's some quick notes down there. But there's also a link that says show notes in there. And that takes you over to our website where there's full show notes with all of the links to everything that anybody talks about, plus uh, stuff like photos of our guests. So if you're curious what that looks like, it kicks you over to our website it's also contact information for a lot of the guests if they want to provide that. So. Yeah. So that takes you to normalizingnonmonogamy.com. And then, again, a list of all of our episodes and, and all sorts of other awesome resources are there. Check that out. We would appreciate it. Yeah. The intro will be pretty short today. We just wanted to mention that we have our next Patreon Q&A call on November 20th. It'll be at 9 p.m. Eastern and then a second one at 9 p.m. Pacific time. And we also wanted to reiterate again. We're a lot of doing a lot of reiterating. That's true. Yeah. Uh, The Patreon calls are a great way to come and ask questions and also really a great way to meet other people in the community. There's about 44 people that are current Patreons. Thank you to all of them for one. Thank you so much. And there's ways to either meet them throughout the chat or there's a Discord chat group that you can be a part of as well where people uh, ask questions, answer each other's questions, and really just sort of build community around the show. So if you're looking to meet other people who are exploring this, some of them are new, some of them have been doing it forever, some of them are previous guests on the show. Yeah, go on over and check out our Patreon. You can find links to that on our website as well, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. And with that, let's go hear what Dan and Don have to say about non-monogamy. Let's go. Well, real quick, we summed up 503 episodes in an hour. I think that's pretty impressive. With them? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And also, I've said that's true like eight times in this well, intro. Well, I don't lie. <laughs> and I, I realize that I'm repeating the same thing. Okay, let's uh. go. Welcome, Dan and Don. Don and Dan. Yeah. To the Normalizing Non-Monogamy show. Fellow, fellow podcasters coming in tonight. So we get to hear the origin story from... You guys have over 200 episodes now? Well over, right? Just hit 500. 500. I'm sorry. 500 episodes. I, should, <laughs> I don't know where the number 200 came from. Emma told me 200. No, it's her I didn't. Fault. <laughs> you can't blame me. Throw her under the bus. Uh, 500. Right. Wow. That's that's uh, impressive. 
to say the least. Yeah, we, we just did record episode 500 uh, just a few days ago. Wow, cool. congratulations. Thank you. Well, I guess maybe before we dive too deep into your story, do you mind, for anybody who hasn't listened to all 500, giving, <laughs> giving uh, people a little bit of background on who each of you are? Sure. Dawn, you want to go first? No, that's okay. Go well, ahead. all right. Uh, so my name is Dan. Um, Dawn and I have been together for about 20 years now. We came out of other relationships, and we, you know, when we got together, we decided, you know what, we're I'm not going to do this monogamy thing. And Dawn said, good, good, good. I'm not doing that monogamy thing either. We're going to have opportunities to have open relationships. And, and I will say 20 years ago, we didn't really have the language for it, but we knew that we were not going to just have the kind of relationship everybody else had. And as it happens, through those 20 years, we have managed to stay partnered to each other. And we have found that we've we put some projects together, wrote a few books together. I have the podcast, which is exactly one, back, one, 11 years old, erotic 11 awakening. 11 years old now. And, and over, over 500 episodes, I've heard. <laughs> 501, as a matter of fact. Um, and we figured out that and, – and, if you know, it was funny is that at the beginning – 20 years ago, there weren't a lot of polyamory books. There weren't a lot of, and you couldn't just jump on Yahoo groups or the internet and, you know, find out about polyamory. It was slowly coming around at that point. But at that point, everybody was still, recon, you know, recognizing that, uh, like, Ethical Slut was the, the polyamory book people would recommend. And mm-hmm. it's not really right. a book about polyamory. It's It's a great book. It was great for us at the time. But between that and uh, Heinlein's Stranger in a Strange Land, that's where that people, more so, yeah. you know, said, this is what polyamory is. Good luck. <laughs> and there were some other <laughs> books out there, but not a lot of stuff. It's certainly not like today where uh, one of my partner's kids who's in high school, you know, come home, you know, she's like, oh, yeah, we know all about polyamory. We learned about that in school and we see it on TV and in music and all this kind of stuff. So, you know, and... Again, I'm not saying, oh, back in the, the old days, it was a much harder and we had to do polyamory going uphill both ways. I, but... I would say that. <laughs> You're not, but I would. <laughs> but it, there weren't the kind of um, support and tools and events like there is now. But but we managed to muffle around it. And we, we happen to have similar uh, views towards kink. And so that became part of our story, and it's just been a wonderful journey so far. Um, you know, we're not we're not unusual people. We're not different people. You know, uh, when when we don't look like the people that television suggests polyamorous <laughs> people look like. You know, we're both grandparents at this point, um, and it has been pretty challenging, but. It is what we we've been very fortunate that it's our natural state. It's who we are, and though though there has been struggle, right? Because right, like right. I came into it with past baggage, so even though I am Polly, there was some years of struggling as I became more self aware of, of myself and what triggered my baggage and how to grow from it and things like that. So even though there's been a lot of fun times, and you know I wouldn't change anything. I'm not saying it was easy the whole way through either. Right. So when you two had met, neither one of you had explored other relationship styles other than monogamy, correct? Uh, um, uh, we well, not. <laughs> <laughs> so may, maybe, we, maybe not. We're not saying it was ethical. We explored non-monogamy. <laughs> but our partners didn't know. Yeah, but not okay. ethical okay. non-monogamy. And, you know, obviously that's nothing that we're proud of, but both of us had challenges with monogamy and to be honest we were not aware that there were options it, i mean the reality was cheating is kind of was kind of acceptable and i don't mean that it was a good thing and it was certainly not a good thing but it's what people did in in marriages that, and, when they were unsatisfied yeah. with their marriages um yeah. And yeah. I kind of heard of swinging and I had tried to pull my now ex-husband into swinging because I, I just knew that something wasn't enough. You know, he was a good guy, but something wasn't enough. I, I wanted to explore and no. Well, I found out after the divorce that he had explored as well, just not <laughs> ethically either. 
So you are mutually unethically non-monogamous. Exactly. <laughs> Even though I tried to make it ethical. Yeah, and, you know, and but there's there's nothing in here that we're saying the boy and, and that was a good idea. It was a mm-hmm. wise thing to do. It was a terrible thing to do, both for ourselves and for our partners at the times. The only the no, only for- good thing to come out of this is that we hopefully have learned from that mistake, and you know all the mistakes that we've made. Um, and we've made mistakes in polyamory as well. Mm-hmm. The, the, the only good thing about making those mistakes is you can share it with other people to say, man, don't do this. This was stupid. <laughs> you know, instead, yeah, of cheating sure. on your par- instead of cheating on your partner, you got to have the courage to, to talk to them and say, here's who I am and what I need. And if, if it's not going to work, it's not going to work. Yeah, for sure. Well, and, you know, it's, it's unfortunate that it sounds like on Don's side that, that she tried to do that. Uh-huh. And, and and her husband was like, no, no, I don't want to do that. But then was doing it behind her back anyway, which is just crazy. If it was like, hey, here's an out. Here's a here's a way right. we can do this together. And I but remember, like- yeah, I remember Dan doing that with his ex-wife too. So Dan and I have actually known each other since high school (laughs) so and um so we witnessed each other's marriages and how they weren't working and that's kind of what made it easier when we got together going you know what i watched yours not work you watch mine not work let's build something different right and so in that early in those early stages when you were building that did you did you decide that it was going to be like polyamory versus swinging it sounds like you had thought about the swinging on your end on all we knew was that it well like i said polyamory wasn't even a word when we got started right. so the we had irc i mean we're talking 21 22 years ago so we had irc which was chat rooms and stuff and um basically i got into the kink rooms and so that's like where you could talk about that sort of stuff so it was more swinging it was more kink it was more knowing we were going to pull people in to at least play with them. And then, and we went to swing clubs and then realized we talked too much and moved too slow to be swingers. And, <laughs> and yeah, and, and we weren't, not that I'm knocking swinging. So, but um, it, we, it, it just wasn't satisfying. We ended up developing, developing relationships with people and, and found out you weren't supposed to do that. So yeah, confusing. We, we we started off. We tried swinging, and like Don said, we weren't. We just weren't good at it. And for us, although it was, it was, it can be fun. It's just not fulfilling. It's not satisfying. Not what we were looking for. And we wandered. Right. Into, we wandered into kink land, and there were some of the aspects of that that we enjoyed. But again, it wasn't quite what we were shooting for. What we were looking for, and we finally found here in. Uh, at the time, we lived in Columbus, Ohio, as we do now, uh, a group called Poly Columbus. Mm-hmm. And it was all of five people. And, and we showed up for that. And this, we said, ah, this is what we've been looking for. And this is more along the lines of what is singing to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then so in those early days, um, actually, first, I wanted to make a Kinkland joke. Is, is Kinkland located in Columbus? Or oh is, yeah, is absolutely. A... Oh my gosh, Columbus <laughs> has a huge kink community. It, it's it's really funny when people say, "Oh, Columbus, Ohio, you guys must have nothing there but corn and wheat or something." It's like, no, we yeah. have a huge kink community, a huge poly. We have, as a matter of fact, the fastest growing polyamory events in the nation is called Beyond the Love, right here in Columbus, Ohio. Mm-hmm. The Poly Columbus group has about fifty people that show up once a month to sit around and talk polyamory. And our our wow. kink our kink community, um, there, we have two hotel events a year, which max out at six hundred people. It's a hotel takeover, and the whole group just came and got all the furniture out of our space and are taking it on the road to Pittsburgh. So this weekend, wow, the Columbus group. We'll be in Pittsburgh to show Pittsburgh how to party. Yeah. So it's it's a really amazing community. Wow. Very cool. So you get you get Cedar Point and Kinkland. Cedar <laughs> exactly. Point's not in Columbus. It's in Ohio. It is. Yeah, Ohio. northern Ohio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know what the Very funny cool. thing is? I can walk into Kinkland and there's people doing the whips and chains and all that kind of stuff, and I'm like, oh, okay, that's cool. Oh yeah. Oh, there's somebody hung up upside down. That's cool. All right, whatever. Oh, there's somebody being electric electrified electrified okay cool you take me down to cedar point look at a roller coaster i'm like no no baby uh-uh. that's, that's a hard limit right there 
That's where Polly comes into play because my boyfriend likes the roller coasters. Yes. <laughs> yeah, no, that's awesome. And and so I guess how when you first started exploring it, like you go to this first meetup mm-hmm. and how how did it develop from there? Was it just like day one meetup, day two, you each have other partners and everything is groovy? No. We, well, we started out um, dating together. So... You know, we were the proverbial unicorn hunters, I guess, back when it was called Coamory. And um, so we would date the same person for what, Dan, the first five years, mm-hmm. I think we tried that and then figured out that that really wasn't working. So we really didn't have to work through jealousy in the first five years because we were dating the same person, right? So that that kind of makes it, at least for us, it made it kind of easier, right? Because Yeah, so it was more like of a... A triad or a quad relationship. Yeah, yeah. And then we realize that Dan moves much faster than I do. So that means people fall in love with him much quicker. Um, Takes a while for my walls to come down to trust people. So we were just moving at different speeds and kind of do polyamory a little differently, right? So five years in, Dan finds Karen. Well, actually, we started dating Karen and her husband at the time, right? And me and her husband figured out that we don't really work together so well. We had different expectations. And Dan and Karen wanted to continue to date. So we had to work. That's about when the jealousy started for me. And we had to work through that. So... Well, yeah, because it's a it's a then more one on one relationship, and you're not part of it. And that was really hard. And and part of it, part of the challenge for Dawn, we've determined is that Karen uh, was very different from Dawn Mm -hmm. um, from a even from a perspective of just all kinds of aspects, including you know we talked a little bit about the kink aspect earlier. Karen's idea of kink was getting a massage with the window uh, open. (laughs) <laughs> and, and, and I'm, being little, I'm being a little facetious there, but she, it just, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't her thing. Her it's thing it's at all. not her thing. So it's um, very much my thing. It very much, you know, <laughs> not only was I, you know, the first time that I was dating somebody that not only did I love them, but I, I was in love with them, but a very different person from who Dawn is. So that added to some of the challenges. I think It, it really made me question mine and Dan's relationship. Because I thought it was perfect, really, and then it made it right. made me question me, and that was really hard. And then, and then after that, a few years later, Dan started dating someone like me, and then I got jealous again. So you know, he couldn't win. <laughs> yeah, well, when someone else is so different from you, you kind of look at yourself and you're like, well, if my partner is attracted to me, how could they also be attracted to this other person that's so different? Or vice versa, if they're attracted to them, yeah. how can they be attracted to me? So and right. so that took a lot of we talk about that in our book, the, the polyamory toolkit, you know, in that we figured out that we like to experience life through other people's eyes and you're going to get more. Oh, I can't think of the word, but uh, a difference. It's just going to be different with other people, with other experiences, which means you get to live a more fuller life. Does that make sense? Right. No, for sure. For sure. I mean, that, that variety is something that it's, it's not easy to, to necessarily for everybody to say, please go and experience all of this variety and all of these different things, even if they're completely different from me, because that's a scary thing. That's a, you're opening yourself up for, you know, potentially somebody discovering, right. The the ultimate fear is they're going to discover something they like better than you. Right. And then they don't, and then they don't need you anymore. Right. And that, that's where my jealousy came in. So, you know, and until I became very confident in mine and his relationship and in myself, jealousy reared its ugly head a lot. So though it sounds like I'm the only one that gets jealous because I talk about it a lot. But uh, Dan found out in his relationship with Karen that he gets jealous, too. I, I got to see a side of him as he works through his stuff. But let's not talk about that. Let's move on. I think that's not, that's not a very interesting time. No, but that's absolutely well, true. I had my challenges with jealousy as well. And, um, you know, for us at some 20 years in, we recognize that jealousy is a thing that can happen still. Um 
it's just well, it's, it's just a natural human emotion. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Like, yeah, yeah, and it's and it's we work through it now. Though it's easier to speak, and it's easier to talk about, and it's easier to say, "Oh crap, I just had a blip with that. I don't know why. Let's take a look at it." So. Instead of right. that fear, someone's going to walk out because you're jealous and therefore too much work and therefore, yeah. Yeah, you know, some of the things that for us, it just became so easy once we started to put together. And and, and I'm going to background a little bit. We ended up going to this class on jealousy uh, because we, we were struggling ago. with it, mm-hmm. right? And we were trying to figure it out. So we went to this class on jealousy and the whole class was pretty much about why jealousy sucks. And But we knew that already. And we came out of that class going, well, yep, I agree with the teacher. Jealousy sucks. Um, but they didn't, give us, <laughs> they didn't give us anything to do with it. And we really started to pay attention to and start mining for tools. And again, I'm not – yeah, we, so we even – we put together a book called The Polyamory Toolkit of basically just – we came through these tools and we're like, damn, we got to write this down because – Fortunately, Dawn and I, one of the things that we are good at, and as you might guess, 500 episodes of a podcast, we're pretty good at talking. <laughs> yeah. So we've been doing the presenting gig uh, for about 15 years now. We'll go around to the different events and talk about polyamory and relationships and other stuff. And we saw that we were getting the same kind of questions over and over again. So we ended up starting to, well, we, let's just write this down. Mm-hmm. And this kind of became this this polyamory toolkit, this book that we put together and again, I'm you know I'm, I'm I'm cautious. I'm not trying to turn this into a promotional podcast for our book, but it's just really been neat to have some of that stuff come together and say, you know, to recognize something as simple. One of the ones that hit us recently is this idea of the difference between something being wrong versus being uncomfortable, right? Where jealousy used to be, I feel like oh, je- I'm feeling jealous. Something's wrong. When really jealousy is just about being uncomfortable. And it's okay for me to feel uncomfortable with something. If Dawn comes back from a date and she's walking all bow-legged because she had fantastic sex, there's nothing wrong with that, right? Our relationship agreements say, yes, you should go out and have great sex. But that doesn't mean that I'm not going to feel, you know, I'm, I'm, I was raised in America as a male and I'm supposed, you know, they, my image maker said, boy, you never let your... Somebody you love, never let a woman that you're interested in have sex with somebody else. If it's better than sex than you can give them, then they'll leave you immediately, right? So feeling of insecurity then. So I can say, you know what, I'm glad you had a good time, but I'm really uncomfortable with how I'm feeling right now. And the, the difference there is instead of jealousy being about something Dawn did wrong, it's just me sharing, you know what, this, this is tripping me out a little bit, you know, um, can, you know, hold my hand for a little bit. Let me talk out why this is making me feel funky. The big difference there is that you, we used to have these conversations and the other person becomes defensive, right? Because it's like, well, geez, you know, I, I didn't mean to, I didn't, I you love make you. It I don't sound want, like they've done something wrong. Yeah. I love you. I didn't want to make you feel pain. So maybe I should stop doing that. It's like, no, no, this is my problem, right? Mm-hmm. This is, but, but Dawn's known me for 20 years, even longer than that, <laughs> <Longer>. right? <laughs> so I, you know, having her help me with my emotions and not be the recipient of blame has been a fantastic thing for us. So, and and yeah. I, I wanted to make sure that I point out that, um, I mean, even after 20 years, we still have jealousy blips. And I actually find it kind of disheartening when I look at Facebook groups and someone goes on there and says, oh, my God, I'm feeling jealous. What do I do? And the response is, oh, my God, if you feel jealous, you're not Polly. Get out of it. And I'm like, oh, uh, <laughs> that's here. Go look at our book. <laughs> yeah. Like right. that's a normal emotion. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's interesting, too, like the, the thing you touched on a second ago, Dan, which was the when it comes up and you get defensive, but the other thing that sometimes happens is you can go on the offense too, right? And you can be like, well, I didn't get jealous when you did this last week, you know, and, and now I did the same exact thing. And, and so it's really easy to flip that and, and go on the offense up about it. And that that's also not, not a, a recipe for, for success. It's yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's hard to find solutions when you get on the offensive and the defensive. So you're not working towards the same goal when yeah, you do right. that. Yeah. It, it's so funny that the, the 
polyamory is about our relationship, you know, having these multiple relationships, but most of the solutions to polyamory problems are about me mm-hmm. and my self-confidence and my ability to accept the world exactly how it is and my not wanting to cling to things and me not wanting to push things away. So it's, it's an amazing, it, at least one of the things that we tell people, if you want to be successful in polyamory, you, you stop looking at your partner and start looking in the mirror. Right. Yeah, I think that's great advice. It, and that's not that's the super hard piece to do, right? That you have to admit to yourself that you gotta be comfortable with who you are, and that's the hardest part. I think it's easy to blame other people. Easy to blame other people. It's hard to work at that becoming self aware and looking at how you can better yourself and better your reactions and work with your own emotions. Yeah, for sure. Well, so besides, you know, having to work through the jealousy, were there, what are, what are some of the things that you found that worked so much better about the non-monogamy when, than your previous relationships? Like, I guess, what were some of the benefits that you two saw when you started kind of finding your groove on this? Oh, the benefits are getting to know other people. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's silly little and I'll say that they're silly little things, but they're really not. I mean, one of the things that Don, you know, we just mentioned it a little throwaway mentioned uh, earlier, is Don likes to do the roller coasters and I don't, right? Yeah. Just little things like that, that Don doesn't have to feel limited. And I don't have to feel limited to say, well, you know what, Don, Don happens to be not eating uh, bread right now. Uh, that doesn't mean yeah. <laughs> that doesn't mean that I can't go have Italian food every once in a while. I have other partners. Uh, sushi is another one that I don't, Don's not a big fan of. <laughs> Yuck. But it doesn't mean that I don't have to experience those things, right? Um, and you get to do it with other people that you're intimate with, right? Mm-hmm. Some people will say, "Well, why can't you just do that with a friend?" Well, it's kind of different with a friend and with an intimate partner, right? It's just a yeah totally different experience and you get to experience life that way and yeah so you don't have to you don't have to limit yourself i guess you know yeah and that's that's a great way to put it right um and and then there's benefits for each other as well i mean i have and i've done this and and the person i did it with is aware that i did this I went to a restaurant with one of my partners for lunch, and I was like, whoa, this place is great. You know who would love this place? Dawn would love this place. And I was right back there at dinner time with Dawn. And I said, <laughs> oh, man, you should try this place. This place is great. I know you'll love it. You get to go see concerts with different people. You get to go see the same concert with different people. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, it really, it really lets you kind of open up, right? Because it's easy to fall into a groove when you're with a partner for a long time, right? Mm-hmm. Then you you kind of start to like the same things and do, even if one or the other of you is like, oh, I'd be interested in something else. But if you don't have that, sometimes you need that person to go, right? To be like, hey, do you want to go do this thing that, that isn't part of your daily or weekly routine? Mm-hmm. And pulling you out of that kind of funk sometimes yeah. is, is a nice benefit. Yeah. yeah. We, we had mentioned that I used to, uh, until recently I was dating, uh, someone named Karen and Karen and I were together for about 12 years, 12 years. I and love how you looked at me to see how many years. Yes. yes. <laughs> and, um, I mean, Dawn and Karen and me, we ended up get, raising a puppy together and we bought a house together and although uh, Karen's path has changed, it certainly wasn't one of these things where we had a bad breakup or anything. Her, her path changed, and that's okay. But Karen is uh, somebody who understands fashion. She is very extroverted. She likes to go to parties, and she likes to go hang out with people. And those are things that Dawn, that's not really Dawn's thing. Mm-mm. It's not really my thing. <laughs> But it was, it's, you know, polyamory is this opportunity to go experience those things that you wouldn't normally experience. Like you, you were saying is, you know, you get out of that groove and you end up um, just being able to, I mean, the world is so big and has so many different ways to go. And um, one of the things I've realized is 
I have partners that have turned me on to things that I never would have experienced before, you know, from music and media. And I don't like all of it. Heck, I don't like half of it. I'm an old fogey at this point. <laughs> I, have a, um, I have a partner who is 20 years younger than me, and they are... Um, trying to, you know, they're like, oh, let's listen to my music now. And I'm like, okay, let's, what do you like to listen to? And I'm sitting there going, man, this is crap. Can we put on some, let's listen to some old classical music like Judas Priest and Led Zeppelin. And they're like, oh, I hate the oldies. I'm like, what the fuck is happening here? Oh my gosh. <laughs> but you get, to, you get to experience life in a way that uh, is just an amazing sort of thing. And, you know, let's, face it a lot of people do the polyamory thing because they're confused to think that it's just an opportunity to get more sex and for some people it certainly is and and absolutely we have some polyamory friends that are asexual um we have partners that have partners that are asexual we yeah. have you know just mm -hmm. a, a whole conglomerate of different people and some partners we have sex with and some we don't you know, doesn't mean we're not intimate, but right, um, right, right. But sure. but the point being that you get that is another experience that you get to try with some mm -hmm. other people, right? There's um, right. there's a particular thing that Dawn and one of her partners does apparently a lot that I'm not a big fan of. Oh, I um, don't even want to ask. What it oh, you're. Is. I, I will tell you. Uh, <laughs> later, the roller coaster. As a matter of fact, I, I can't even think of sign language that won't make you just giggle and be confused and say. Uh, there are certain things that Dawn likes with that I'm not a big fan of. Wonderful, she gets to experience that. Um, right. With one of my partners who is completely non kinky, I got to experience non kinky sex, which a lot of people go like, well. Yeah, that's I know what that is, or, or that's boring, but it's not boring. It's just different than what I've been used to lately, you know? Uh, yeah. So it's well, all that's a wonderful thing as well. Right. You've hit on so many points that really just drive the story home, I guess, or the point home of that you get to have all of these different experiences and you might not have had them if you didn't have an open relationship. Right. Um, Right. And yeah. it, it's, it's just really amazing because I don't know that I can explain it really well, but that whole, the thing that I said before where you don't have to stop at the line, you're allowed to be intimate with other people, which means you get to know them on a totally different level. And you don't always have to worry about, uh-oh, is that flirting? Is my spouse going to get jealous because this came across as flirting with somebody else or, you know, things like that. We can just be free. I mean, we have right. a few limits. We have a few things that, that we've talked about that doesn't work for either of us. So we do have a few limits. But um, otherwise, we just get to be ourselves with other people. Yeah. Well, I was, so I was curious and if you'd be willing to maybe talk a little bit about one of the experiences that you mentioned you had that maybe isn't the most fun, but that's going going through a, a hard breakup in in the polyamory space and Kind of from both perspectives, right? So one one of you is going through the breakup and the other has to support the other person and, and find empathy there. And I I guess if you if you don't mind talking a little bit about sort of how how you navigated that and what that experience was like, because I think that's that's a that's an interesting one. Well, it's a little different for us, I think, because we're both introverts. But I'm an external processor, and he's an internal processor. So since he's the one that went through this breakup that we're specifically talking about, I mean, there's been others, but this one specifically, sure. um, I've had to let him kind of process it on his own. So, you know, I'll, I'll let him put his head in my lap or just snuggle if he needs to as he's processing stuff, but he doesn't really talk about it a lot. So... Yeah. Though you may think you've talked about it a lot. Are you kidding? <laughs> it was a, it was a lot for him. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there is an entire tweet worth of talking. I think that's at least 140 characters I've gone through. You know, we, uh, I don't think, in my opinion, I haven't gone through a bad breakup. Mm -hmm. I have broke up and been broken up with with a lot of people. 
Um, but in general, what I have found is that the relationships have grown apart. That mm. I have continued to love the person and they loved me. But if we you don't, know, with the example, you know, and again, I don't want to talk about somebody. Well, one of the things yeah, that yeah, Karen, for sure. <laughs> one of the things that Karen realized that's dating me is that we have a podcast with 500 episodes. I talk about everything. I say, oh, guess what Karen had for lunch yesterday? Well, um, but with that situation, with other situations, the the relationships kind of naturally ended versus that, oh, my God, I can't believe you did this thing. Let's throw plates at each other and go screaming out. Right. Yeah. Right. So I guess that's what I've seen from my side is that I've seen them kind of start to grow apart. So it wasn't really a surprise when it happened. I mean, the one that I went through, the dude cheated on me. So it was much different than the ones that the breakups that Dan has gone through. So, you know, his, his, they changed, uh, I don't know, was it Facebook or Fet or something? You guys change your status at the same time. You know, you write, um, each of you write something that says we've, slowly mm-hmm. grown apart and we're both going on different paths. We still love each other. Please don't take sides. And that's just the way they handle it. And yeah. so far, knock on wood, they've been drama we've been, free. We've been very fortunate to have that opportunity where we've not been afraid to see each other. And and uh, none of this is immediate, by the way. It takes a little bit of yeah. time because even though you can be big, mature adults about it, it's still when the lights go out and you're laying there in bed, going to sleep, you still may spend a little bit of time going, God damn, brugga, frugga, frugga, frugga. <laughs> yeah, pouting a little bit, right? <laughs> Absolutely. But that's, yeah, that's okay. That's normal. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, and it's very important for my, all of our partners to realize, you know, hey guys, I am term, I'm ending a relationship. I may need a little bit of space. Or, if one of my partners, be it Dawn or Karen or Kat or whoever, if one of my partners is breaking up with somebody, I let my other partners know, not because, oh, guess what the drama is, but to say, you know what, our plans might be mutated or changed a little bit because this person may need a little extra support right now. Right. So I, I was, I, well, I'm going to cut you off again. Okay. Or go ahead. You go. You go. You might be thinking the same thing I, I am. So. John, when you mentioned that you had a partner that cheated on you, I think some people might, I guess, misinterpret that and say, well, you're polyamorous. How can someone cheat on you? And yeah, my son asked me the same thing. (laughs) I I had a son that um, he saw that I was going through struggles and um, he wanted to know if there was anything that Dan could do that would make me leave him. And I said, there's two things. And one of those is, is if he cheats on me. And the son was like, what do you mean if he cheats on you? You guys are polyamorous. Doesn't that happen all the time? And I'm like, no, because cheating means you're doing something sneaky, right? Right. So, Unethical. Yes. You're hiding it from the other person. And I practice ethical non-monogamy, right? Dan knows everything that I do, probably more than he wants to know, and, you know, and then he sets the limits on details. But, um, I mean, I share everything. D- Dan shares everything with me, as in if I think I'm interested with somebody, I'll let Dan know so that if he sees me making googly eyes at him or flirting at him, it's not going to take him by surprise. So yeah. everything we do, we're on board. With my boyfriend of six years, he knows everything that I do as well. So, um he doesn't want to know as much, which is fine. They all set their limits. So I really had to explain to the son that, no, we know everything. And for someone to cheat on me and go behind my back and just, I, I'm not putting up with that. So. Yeah. Thank you. I think, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. I just wanted to expand on that a little bit. Yeah, no, Perfect. Not a problem. So I'm, now your question. That was my question, actually. Really? You, you, you worded it almost exactly like I was going to word it, so that's getting creepy. Uh, <laughs> we may be doing this too much. <laughs> we're going to have to go on hiatus, sabbatical. Um, I was curious, though, Have has, has the way that you approach non-monogamy, has it evolved over the last 20 years or oh, so? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I... 
I think that we have developed a huge number of tools that help with nearly all the situations that we get into now, right? Mm -hmm. And it's been it's very neat to be able to say, oh, here's this situation. Uh, you know what? Let's look through the toolbox. What do we got for this? And to be able to address things in a, in a more mature and direct way, whether it's um, uh, recognizing that to work from a place of assistance with each other or to put yourself in the other person's shoes or any multitude of things. We just don't have big deals anymore. I Knock can't, on wood. Knock yeah. On yeah wood. I mean, Not recently. For, yeah. <laughs> in the beginning, and it's really hard. We, we had just talked to somebody over the uh, recently about polyamory, and they're like, oh, we're going through all these tr struggles. Don't you guys still have struggles? Yeah, we still have struggles, but one of the things that we have now is faith. We have 20 years of going through everything from... Uh, some really stunning bad communication, some uh, mistakes with updating our Facebook profile before we updated our partner, that there is a Facebook profile update coming. Um, if you're cringing, you should be. That was terrible. Um, <laughs> it's worse yeah, when they not find the way out. You, that's not yeah. The, yeah, that's not the way you want to find out about things. Exactly. Yeah. And it's worse when they find out on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, Yeah. So we've made all the mistakes, but what we've found is that at this point, we've developed faith that we can get through this stuff. And even with my, uh, I have another partner of five years, we're getting to that point where we're starting to, we, you know, we still hit some, some of those big, oh my God, this is a huge thing. We're starting to develop that faith that, you know what, we're going to figure this out. We're going to get through it. And, and that's just one of those things that it takes time of being of facing things and going through them over and over again because you're going to have big deals and as you get older you're going to have even you know this is the the this is simply what life is you lose jobs you have to put pets down um you have medical issues you have sexy date nights and your boy parts or your girl parts or your, just don't want to work that day it's all stuff that yeah. human beings have to deal with. And as you go through more and more of those, you realize, you know what? It's it's just life. It's not a big deal. Yeah. And right. that's I've actually had a few people come to me and go, oh, my God, when does it get better? And I'm like, you know, it gets better. If it's challenging right now, it gets better. And I hate to say this, but it takes time and experience and just trusting your partner that they have good intentions. You know, and then yeah. after that, the faith will come, the trust will develop, the faith will come, the confidence will come, and the confidence in yourself will come, and that's going to make the biggest difference. And that's how ours has changed. I mean, I can, I can just tell that we have faith in the process, and we're better at speaking the unspoken instead mm. of... Um, protecting our partner's feelings, which doesn't help anybody. So Dan would try to protect my feelings, which would make it feel like secrets were going on because he wasn't telling me everything. And secrets and, and non-transparency, that's my, that's my, I'm going to use the word trigger. That's my trigger. That's when I feel like things are out of control. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Well, and, and also tying it back into something you said earlier, which was, once you become more self-confident and self-aware and comfortable with who you are, right? That That's the other kind of piece to that puzzle is it's easier to trust the system when you're confident about who you are. Absolutely. And when you're, I mean, I'll always have a little fear of Dan wanting to leave me. I mean, I really like the relationship we have. I'll always have a little fear of the, the boyfriend, um, we call him Big D, um, of him wanting to leave, and I don't want these things to happen. But I've gotten, with, with age and wisdom and experience, I've gotten to the point of, I know I'll be okay. It'll hurt like hell, but I'll be okay, because I know who I am at this point. Right. Which is, I mean, it takes takes time to get to that point. It does. It takes time, and, and like I said, it takes time and experience, and... You, you can't rush that, unfortunately, and I hate giving that advice to new people. 
it's like, oh man, it's going to come over time. But at least you have people to talk to. We didn't have people to talk to. We had monogamous people telling us that, of course, you're feeling jealous. Your husband's dating another woman. And, you know, there, there's more poly people now, more outspoken poly people. So the newer people coming in are, are going to have more support which will be helpful. So maybe it won't last as long (laughs) with them as it did with us trying to figure things out. Yeah. I know you referenced like that Karen moved in with you guys and you had raised a puppy together and all of these things. And I wanted to see if you could talk about strategies you have for, uh, I guess, maintaining and and creating, uh, fostering, that's a better word, fostering the relationship you have with metamors because i think that some people from the outside look in and say well aren't you know you already we already talk about jealousy aren't you jealous of these other people but well you should be in competition with them right and that's not the point but do you have strategies for how to overcome some of those feelings or or to deal with them hmm good question so because i know that um with Karen, we would do things together and not together. So Dan tried to make sure that we did movies together every now and then or board game nights or things like that, just so Karen and I could get to know each other. But mm-hmm. um, his requirement was that I treated her with respect and I treat all of his partners with respect. So sometimes we do things together, sometimes we don't. Yeah, you know, a, a lot of people have suggested that there, you have to create relationships with your metamors, and we take the approach that you have to be open to those relationships and open to communication, but let it naturally occur if it naturally occurs. Uh, with Dawn's yeah. partner, Big D, we have we we. All right. We easily can talk to each other if we have to. If there's a big deal that we need to talk to, we do. We hang out on occasion. We actually have some common interest, but there, you know, there's none of this. Gee, I guess I have to go hang out with him three nights a month so that we have a relationship at some point. Right. You kind of let, let it be what it what it is. Mm-hmm. With another one of Don's partners, I did not feel any draw towards that person so i you know i knew their name and i knew how to get a hold of them and i knew what was going on with them because don would tell me but and you're kind of ships passing in the night as right. one left while the other one showed up so right. but, they knew each other but but we yeah. had i had nothing in common with the guy with the exception of dawn we never hung out and that was okay too mm-hmm. uh one of our partners and one of, one of the people that dawn and i both date uh, she is much more of a mood to, oh, well, I am going to go meet all my metamors. I'm going to sit there and have coffee with them. I want them to know who I am and what's going on in my life. And that's okay, too. I think for us, we have determined just let it grow naturally to the best of its ability. Again, the, the only requirement that I have for my partners is that they, they treat each other with respect if and they recognize, look, you may not like, and we've had this situation where we've had <laughs> one partner doesn't like the other partner, you know, okay, I don't care that you don't like them. You have to recognize that there is something in this person that I do find of value. They're not an evil or a bad person. You just don't dig them. I, you ain't got to hang out with them. You ain't got to dig them. But mm-hmm. you can't talk smack about them either, right? Not to me. Right. That's that's something you could do. Not to you or in public. Right. You can do, go do that shit somewhere else. Um, yeah. That's the, that's where the whole respect thing comes in. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. So, but um, we'll have people come to us and go, I have a metamor that just won't talk to me and doesn't want anything to do with me. How do I make that relationship work? And I have to look at them and go, you don't. Y- you be open and you respect them as well. So I don't always reach out to make friends with my metamors. And sometimes it's because I don't have time, sometimes because it's because I'm busy in my own relationships, some, you know, whatever reason. But I will treat them with respect when I see them. So, mm-hmm. yeah, just the way it is. I think that makes, <laughs> yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Well, uh, you, you wouldn't force a friendship outside of 
you know, polyamory, right? So why you're not going to want to start forcing friendships right inside? It doesn't make sense. I I would become resentful if I was forced to do that. So because it's not a person, it's not a person I picked. It's Dan's relationship with somebody else. So or my relationship with somebody else. I don't make Dan and Big D go to the movies together. Why would I? You know, right. Right, right, but if they wanted to do that, then it's that's oh, fine. Absolutely. It's just like you're, you're not going to make that happen, right? Yeah. We, we were going to start yeah. a podcast together. Oh, you and Big D <laughs> were. Yeah, that's yeah. true. It, it, it was, was, was going to be called What's Wrong with Dawn? No, it wasn't. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it, was, it was actually going to be political, and that would have been interesting. Because <laughs> 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 they are very different. So. Yeah. Well, another common question or comment we get around polyamory is how do you manage your time? Because people, I think they, a lot of times, if you are, have a partner and a family and your job and everything, how they don't, can't even understand how you would make the time to, to split your time for everybody. Um, So how do you approach that? I'm not even sure how we make the time at this point. So, I mean, I've got a, um, I do a lot of stuff with Dan. I nurture my relationship with Big D, which means I go out of my way to, because he lives 90 minutes away. So it's not like we can just go out to dinner at a drop of a hat. So we, we both make it a point to make sure we're contacting each other every day and, doing the movies when we can and, you know, hooking up with when we can and making a point to make that happen. So, and then the girlfriend, she's 14 hours away. So that one's really long distance and we just have to work at maintaining it. So, but time-wise, all my relationships are on different time levels with one living in my house, one 90 minutes away and one 14 hours away. You right, know, it, right. it, it's a constant thing that you have mm-hmm. to continue to work on. Um, obviously, Dawn and I, as we have a lot of projects that we share with each other, like the podcast, like writing the books, like doing the presenting, we are nesting partners as well in that we live in the same house together. So it's my other partners are always going to have that less time just from the very basis of that sort of thing, right? I have two partners where we put it on the calendar and say, this is our scheduled date night. It's on the calendar. It's this day on the calendar and it repeats and that's the way it is. And that's to me, it, beyond the fact that beyond that, you know, we run into each other, we see each other, perhaps we'll have a meal together or we just happen to be at the same place, same time, or we create time to spend together. But at a minimum, we have this, this locked in calendar day. Right. I have another partner who says, I don't like locked in calendar day. That feels like a chore. Let's just let it be organic and see how it goes. And we're trying that. And it's much more challenging for me because I have this other relationship with this guy named Dan. And man, I like that. I, I have started to really cultivate that relationship to, you know, stay home by myself in my underwear and eat Cheetos and play football on my PlayStation sort of thing. Right. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that either. <laughs> yeah. So it sometimes, it's, you know, one of my partners will say, Hey, I see if you're not doing anything tonight. Why don't we get together? And I have to be careful not to create a lack of time for myself as well. Otherwise I become resentful and it's like, Oh geez, I don't even get one night by myself. So you know, I, I would love to say, you know, what? one of these days we'll, we'll go on the road because we've mastered polyamory in time. Not happened <laughs> for us yet. So you do the best you can. And for us, one of the keys is you let people know in the beginning of a relationship, because Dawn and I, because I am so darned busy, I will start off a relationship with someone by you know, this wonderful flirtatious move of saying, let's look at my calendar, you know, and say, look, man, I'm a busy dude. You're not going to get to see me every other day. You know, right. That's, that's just what my life looks like. I need you to see what my life really looks like and, and get the, get a sense that our relationship might be loving and wonderful and all that, but it's not going to be something that you can rely on me to be there. Um, you know, 
three nights a week to sit around and watch movies. I just, I just don't have the bandwidth for it. So you do your best to right. let people know that's the situation you're in. And yeah, and you're, you're just honest and upfront about it. Absolutely. And one of the things I do with Big D, and I forgot to do it for October because I've been so busy, but I'll write him an email at the beginning of the month and go, okay, so here's what I have going on at the space with my vending, with my presenting, with the podcast, with my, um, I, I'm apprenticing to a woodworker right now. So, you know, here's all this crap I got going on. Here's my free nights. Grab them while I got them. And he's, he's got to speak up at the beginning of the month and say, ooh, this matches for me. Let's go do this thing. And he'll grab the nights that I have free because things will come up here at the space where I'm like, ooh, I have a free night. I'll take that duty. And and then it's gone. So right. we, we yeah. make do as we can. Yeah. No, that's a good strategy, too, is like just check in at the beginning, at the end of every month. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, it all comes down to scheduling and prioritizing and. I'm sure all of you have, or both of you have experienced situations where, you know, there's, it's a more of an emergency or not necessarily an emergency, but a, uh, someone needs someone else. Oh, yeah. And so you're able to work around that, right? Absolutely. And that's just comes down to communication. Absolutely. I know when um, Karen was going through something, and each of us have gone through something, you know, it, it's been, we've had to be malleable with the with the dates right. and, and the, the energy and the time and you know, give people, give people what they need. Yeah. Yeah. Are you two, you mentioned earlier that you've talked to your, your kids about this a little bit. Are you, are you pretty open with everybody at this point? We are now. I mean, when, um, me, Dan and Karen bought the house together, the kids had to be told more than they wanted to be told actually. So our, our kids are grown and, um, one has a, you know, they're both married and one has a kid of his own. And so they've kind of been aware for years, but not really wanted to know sort of thing. And when we moved in together, we took them on a tour of the house and uh, we had the house opening and and we took the the kids on the tour of the house. And I had gifted Dan these um, panels that are up on the wall that are full of his pictures. When he turned 50, I, I took pictures from his childhood with all of his partners, his ex wives, his, you know, with me and the kids. And I just, tons of pictures. And um, so that's the last room I took the kids to. And I'm like, okay, so here's Dan's life. If you have any questions, let me know. And it's it's got all of his other partners and everything in it. So, you know, so they ask us questions every now and then. And they, they've, they've met my boyfriend. Obviously, mm-hmm. they know Karen. The granddaughter knows Karen. We know Karen's granddaughter, you know. So, Yeah. The yeah. kids are okay with it. My my youngest son actually told me one day, because I, I introduced Big D to the boys, and Big D's kids know me. And, um, yeah, I introduced him. And, and my youngest was not, he's not, oh, I don't know. He He's like, Mom, I, I will go out to dinner with you and Big D and support you if you want me to. Just please don't kiss him in public. That I don't know I can deal with. I, I will say, here's, <laughs> here's a, a shitty parent trick that we did. We tried to get... Big D's daughter and <laughs> our youngest, youngest son, son. <laughs> to start dating each other. And then realized that Wait, was kind of icky. Dumb. That's just crazy. <laughs> what the heck are we thinking there? But yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah. So it's been so all the kids, all the kids know, all the Big D's kids know. Mm-hmm. Um, all, of all of our kids, cat kids, kids, Karen's kids. Yeah. Yeah. And those are the only partners we have with kids. Yeah, it it's man, we're I just very fortunate right now that we have nothing to hide, you mm-hmm. know. There's none none of this navigating around anything right now. So very fortunate. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. No, that's amazing. That's that's awesome. Yeah. Um one of the fun questions we like to ask is if you know, non monogamy does not always go perfectly. And we like to talk about or ask our guests about any bloopers that they would be willing to share. Mm. It's usually funny when Dan forgets that it wasn't me that he did something with. And he's, he's really confident it was me. And I'm like, nope, don't know nothing about it. Uh, you know, <laughs> <Wrong> what? <partner. laughs> 
here's the here's the blooper that I'm gonna share. The heck with that one. Oh shit. Okay. Oh um, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that always makes me nervous. He does this in front of people when we present too, so it always makes me nervous. Uh, we did the. I was. I told Dawn, you know what? I'm doing the thing that with this partner. And she said, what, what, who, well, you can't do the thing with this partner. This is the first I've heard of it. And I said, no, no, no. We had this conversation already. And she says, did we? And I said, yes, we did. And she's like, I'm not, oh, wait, did we? And I think it was like a day later. She's like, oh, I remember now. And I was like, oh, yeah, we're both over 50. That's right. You better start writing shit down all the time. (laughs) That memory is sliding, man, because I was sure I had not, he had not told me. It had to have been somebody else. And the more I thought about it, the more it started coming back to mind. And I'm like, ooh, because it was a big deal. The thing he was doing with the other partner was a huge deal. And in the old days, oh, that would have been a blow up of you didn't tell me that. Why didn't you prepare me or whatever? And for him to go, no, I think we had this conversation. No, we didn't. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we did. And for me to just lay there and go, I don't trust my memory anymore. Let me give this some thought. <laughs> yeah, you're going to have to start recording stuff like you yeah. do for the podcast. We, exactly. we all need instant instant replay of our conversations so we can pull it, pull up the footage and be like, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, we've said that in our relationship even, so it, it happens. <laughs> Indeed. Awesome. Well, I mean, is there anything that you two haven't, shared that you were hoping to share with our audience tonight and kind of wrapping it up here and give you the the chance to kind of get any final words out there. Yeah. One, one final question I had too is I know you've had a podcast you said for 11 years and and I was curious kind of, I'm sure you get this question a lot, but what made you want to start that podcast? Probably because we got asked a lot of the same questions, the same, same reason that we did the books. You know, we get yeah. asked a lot of the same questions, and we felt like we had a lot to share. We've we've um, both really worked on ourselves and worked on our various relationships and just want to make it easier for other people. And I think that's my message, which I actually shared before, is that a lot of this stuff can be challenging because it's not mainstream. So right. and we, we have mainstream people telling us that we're doing things wrong. And that that's why it's a challenge. And um, just that it gets better. So just keep working on it. Don't take things personally. And if it's who you are, keep moving forward. So Yeah. 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 I, like, I like that. Well, with... with how, how about if listeners want to contact you or find your podcast, can you plug it real quick? And and keep in mind we will put we'll put all the links in the show notes for people too. But go ahead. Fantastic, we'd be happy to plug ourselves. Uh, <laughs> you can find our podcast and pretty much everything we do at the Erotic Awakening website, eroticawakening.com. There we have the the website, the uh, presenting that we're doing, the podcast, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, we've taken the twenty years of polyamory stuff. We've put it together in a book recently called the Polyamory Toolkit, and that has its own little website called the Polyamory Toolkit. You can go check that out over there as well. Uh, cool. Anything else do you want to plug, Honey Bunny? No, like I said, everything we do is on that website. Where we'll be and what we're teaching and all kinds of stuff. Yep. Wonderful. Yeah, well, awesome. thank you so much for taking time. I know we've worked to schedule this for many months. So <laughs> thank you for being patient with us. And uh, yeah, it was wonderful to chat. And we'll do it again. We'll yeah. do it again when you have over a thousand episodes. Yeah, I was just going to say the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> or when we hit 500. Oh, that'll, that'll, that'll be perfect. Well, thank you again. And we'll let you get on with your evening. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks. We're back. Still I, in the McDonald's parking lot. And also, I didn't mean to uh, detract from their show that we were able to sum it up in an hour. No. That's actually not true. It was a joke. <laughs> For all the people who take me seriously, like you, who says everything I say is true. No, that's actually, I, I don't really do that. I don't believe everything you say. <laughs> but you said that so quietly that no one's going to be able to hear it. So that's also perfect. not true. See, now I'm going to start saying not true. All right. I just well, I've learned to deal with your sarcasm. I think after being married for a long time. You're not you, you're not dealing with it. You're embracing it. <laughs> sure. Okay. <laughs> anyway, right. thank you to Dan and Don. Yeah, uh, for coming on and for having us on their show. Yes. Links to all of that again in the show notes. Normalizingnonmonogamy.com. And if you want to know more <laughs> about them, go listen to all over 
All over. Listen to them all over. Listen to them in your ears. Go listen to all of their episodes. Over 500 of them. Erotic Awakening. Anyway, next week, what do we... I'm sorry. You should work for infomercials. (laughs) I bet I would be good at that. I think so. (laughs) Okay, not next week. In two days, what do we have? Wednesday... Wednesday. It's still exciting. We should be excited about Wednesday. No, Wednesday is an awesome episode with uh, Jill and Jack. Yeah, that's correct. They are incredible people. We actually met them briefly as we drove across the entire United States a few weeks ago. We did. We got to have dinner with them. So At a Mediterranean restaurant. And it was delicious. It was. Anyway. So, <laughs> now that you know that, um, we don't even talk about that in the episode. No. But enjoy this episode. I Well, oh, wow. I'm all messed up. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. You'll enjoy Wednesdays, too. So come back and listen then. Yep. And uh, we'll see you then. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening.